Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space. This is Dr. Mark Shapiro. We are going to start off part two of our podcast with Christina Farr, who is the editor-in-chief of Future of You from KQED uh, and PBS. It is a, a website and a blog that is designed to help us explore the revolution in medicine that is happening right in front of our eyes and right under our feet. Definitely check out part one. We set a really nice sort of context on how we can discuss this stuff because it's happening so, so quickly. We really have sort of a box that we're calling this revolution in medicine box. And then within the box are three big buckets. Bucket one being transparency and how that's quickly changing. Uh, box two is this box of innovation and the new devices and techniques and technologies that are coming onto the market. And then the other big one that we spent a lot of time talking about in part one is the privacy bucket, the issue around patient protection, patient privacy, things like that. Christina, let's get to bucket, uh, bucket the second. Let's get into transparency a little bit. What are the demands that are being placed on, uh, Everyone on the healthcare side, this, this podcast is called Explore the Space. It's the space between those who want healthcare and those who are on the side, on the side of providing healthcare. What is the demand like in terms of access, information, inclusivity? How is that changing? Um, that's a great question. I recently uh, tweeted, um, and this was kind of one of my most wildly successful tweets was <laughs> imagine a restaurant with no prices and yeah. you find out the price after you order and a bill that fluctuates based on where you sit. And I said, that's, that's basically our healthcare system today. And a lot of people responded with kind of furthering this analogy in various ways. Um, a number of people wrote back and said, you know, it's like walking into a restaurant and being so hungry that you're about to die and not knowing the price of the food that, you know, that's kind of been their experience with healthcare, which is, you know, sort of like morbid and funny at the same time. Morbid um, and funny, but there's no good counter. There's no good counter argument. No, exactly. I mean, the, the only good counter that I can think of is that, you know, I agree that there has been a recent trend towards more transparency. A lot of that actually is coming from the federal government, the Obama administration, um, and Todd Park, who until recently was the CTO of the White House. And it was sort of the, the prerogative to really open up as much data as possible um, that, was, that was just currently kind of sitting in, in databases and, and not available to the public. Um, and again, the, the ProPublica Physician Scorecard was a great example of a media organization collaborating with uh, government, and in this case it was CMS, um, to take a bunch of data that had never been released before, um, in this case about kind of um, rates of, of surgeons screwing up um, and making it easier for, for patients to choose the, the best surgeon and making all of that available in an app that people can use. Um, so that's this. just one, one recent example, but yeah. there are many more. Let me just ask you this. What you were saying about the ProPublica score, ProPublica scorecard, it's interesting. Do you think that when people who are seeking healthcare and are looking for these reviews of physicians, hospitals, et cetera. Do you think that they're looking for them from the prism of, I'm looking for the catastrophe. I'm looking for the blood and guts. I'm looking for the someone who I'm going to think is incompetent. 
And is that how they're being constructed to meet that demand? Or do you think they're being constructed to say, hey, you know what? In your community in Southwest Texas, for instance, this is the, these are the ones who really shine. These are the ones who do really well with communication, who patients think are really empathic, uh, the ones who work well in a team. What is that prism? Sometimes I worry that the, those things are designed to really amplify the negative, uh, almost to a point where it becomes, uh, ineffective. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point, and you know, it makes me think of the announcement between Yelp and ProPublica, yep, um, exactly. which you mentioned yesterday. And I was actually reading a little bit more about this this morning, um, and learned that by comparison to other things like um, you know restaurants, for instance, or spa services, people tend to be more positive on the whole mm-hmm. on Yelp about their their doctor or a healthcare-related experience, which I found really interesting. Um, so I think people are inclined to kind of give more positive reviews of a healthcare experience because it can often kind of mean the difference between um, living comfortably or not or potentially even a life-or-death situation. Um, but then, of course, you know, there are certainly those reviews that are just awful um, about a particular doctor and in ways that a, a Yelp review has really crushed a small business, you know, I do also share your concerns that it could it could really take down a small medical practice of kind of one or two doctors and already those practices are struggling um, in an age where you're seeing kind of larger hospitals gobble up um, all these kind of nearby um, small kind of uh, practices um, that that really cater to sort of the front lines of care. Um, so that's that is a, a really interesting question and, and one that was raised around sort of this Yelp partnership. And are there is there a recourse for a physician? An because look, a lot of physicians are now part of big medical groups. You know, multidisciplinary, hundred doctor, five hundred doctor, more. But they're going to get evaluated on an individual basis. You know, down to their last name. If someone's throwing grenades at them that they don't feel like are merited. You know, there, there's a lot. There's also more and more dialogue from the physician side. Kevin MD, that website, I know that they put a lot of good stuff on there about how to look after your uh, sort of social media profile and your internet presence. Is there going to be recourse for large hospitals, individual physicians, small clinics if they feel like something is coming at them double barrels and not necessarily merited? Yeah, that's that is. I, I actually don't know. You know, the answer to that question whether these types of services will include some kind of a, a feedback loop mm-hmm. so that doctors can really say, hey, you know, this, this doesn't seem fair. This one patient is really out to get me. Um, and I, and I'm, I share your concern because I think a lot of doctors are so afraid of things like medical liability already. Um, and this could potentially make it worse. Uh, but on the flip side, I mean, it, it's, it's very possible that those doctors that are doing a really stellar job are going to get even more recognition regardless of the type of organization that they work for, um, which is great. So, you know, I think only time will tell on on this front. And you've spoken, I I know, at a number of health conferences, technology conferences. What sort of feedback are you getting from both sides? Do people like this? Are they using it? Uh, Are they using it? Are they using their powers for good or are they using their powers for evil? How is it being received on the the healthcare provider side? Well, one thing that I learned um, have learned recently is that word of mouth is actually still very important. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't think people are, are fully embracing online services just yet, um, especially in kind of smaller communities. Um, if you want to see a good doctor, you're very likely to ask 
friends in person um, as much as you are to use a service like Yelp or, or ZocDoc. Um, and then among the sort of provider community and how they feel about transparency, it's one of those things where it's totally mixed. Um, some are just total, are very much on board with it and, and they love kind of what ProPublica has been doing and they want to see more of that. And, and others have, have shared their concerns, um, especially around, you know, like, is it going to mean that doctors who do more risky surgeries are going to be penalized? Um, and that's a fair concern as well. Um, I think Bob Wachter from UCSF um, has a great nuanced view of this. And just to plug Future View, we did actually interview him about this topic um, in, in our piece about the ProPublica Surgeon Scorecard. And he, and he raised a number of, you know, four or five objections and then four or five kind of counterpoints, ways in which this, this is a great thing. Um, so I think, I think his, his view is a, is a good one to sort of encompass how the medical community feels at large. Two asides. Aside number one, you can plug future of you and your content as much as you want because yes. <laughs> people, people need to know what they have access to and that they can go to your site and have access to interviews with people like Bob Walker, Eric Topol, you know, people who have expertise such as yourself. Uh, that's aside number one. Aside number two, you mentioned Yelp as a, as a repository for doctor reviews. And then you subsequently mentioned another entity. I think you pronounced it Zoc MD. Zoc I've never, I've never heard of it. And that's exactly my point. I, I might be reviewed on there, and I've literally never heard of that. What is that? Oh, ZocDoc. Yeah, I visited them last week in in New York um, when I was traveling, and you know they're they're pretty huge at this point. But you you may not know them because they're so focused on New York City. Okay. Um, but it's just a website that um you, you can sort of log in and you can find a doctor who can see you that day whenever is convenient to you. You can check out reviews from from other patients and. And um, and see their sort of areas of specialty, and then you can book an appointment online. So it's just it's something very simple, but something that was I think really needed, especially in in urban cities like New York. Um, but they are they are expanding now across the country, and I think we could see them as definitely an, an IPO contender in the next year or two. I'm sitting here shaking my head because again, I like to try to think that I'm keeping up reasonably well and. Just like that, another thing that I'm like, ah, what is that? And how do I now integrate that into our work portfolio? But I guess that's a fair point. How much of this stuff do patients, consumers, physicians, healthcare executives, everybody, how much do we need to be integrating this stuff into our sort of daily life, into our portfolio of, of concerns and priorities? How much do we need to be integrating this now at this point? I'm, I think it's, you know, it, it totally depends on, on you and your individual health needs and, and whether you are juggling a lot of different conditions all at once. I think for many of us who feel perfectly healthy on the day-to-day, -day, it just doesn't seem as, as urgent or imperative. Although, you know, those people still might want to enjoy using some of these applications for wellness um, and, you know, services that help you find the right doctor. I think that can be useful. Um, but if you are someone who's juggling a lot of conditions, if, if you need to, you know, look at your sort of ECG, if you're a heart patient or you're hypertension, I think um, some of these tools can really make a difference for you, um, especially when it comes to this gap, which can sometimes be a very long one between doctor's visits. Um, and there's a lot that you can do with these, with these new mobile tools and making sure that you're keeping a close eye on your own, on your own vitals. And if there's something that, that looks 
like it's potentially suspicious or, or dangerous, you can get in touch with your, your doctor and, and go and see them before it becomes an emergency room visit. Now that drops us right perfectly into our third bucket, this innovation bucket, this use of devices and technology to help empower patients uh, and, and you know, hopefully start to improve outcomes. I know it is too early for any of these devices to have a lot of you know, evidence-based validation that they are improving morbidity and mortality, but which are the ones are the, the sort of hottest comers? Which are the ones that are getting the most attention right now? I am really, I've been focusing a lot on a live core. Do you know, do you know a live core? Nope. <laughs> okay, so this is another new one. Um, it's a heart health monitor, basically. A, a mo- it's a little attachment that you can put on your on your iPhone. I am familiar with that one. I, I wasn't familiar with the name, but I am familiar with the device. Thank oh, goodness. Great. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> cool. It might even be in your in your modern black bag. That's right. The, right. The Aerotopal modern black bag. That's right. Yep. yep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you can, you can use it to, to monitor your own ECG and then they have cardiologists on that, that will occasionally kind of take a look. Um, so I think that's an interesting one. There is CellScope, which is a mobile kind of autoscope for ear exams. Um, and, you know, there's some really interesting uh, products that I've been looking at that are, are still in, in the early stages and haven't yet got FDA approval. But one of the ones I, um, I've been I've been keeping an eye on is this is this new patch that connects to your to your smartphone. It's it's for people who want to give up smoking, and rather than just like like a nicotine patch that that really starts working once you get up in the morning, this kind of knows when you know if you get up at eight, it'll start giving you a, a nicotine hit at six, so that when you wake up, you don't have that craving. Um, so and that that's uh, that's one that is still kind of you know very much in in stealth mode. But there there are things like that that are under development. Um, which are which are pretty exciting, and and uh, these are the kinds of things we we write about on Future Review. That that is absolutely stunning. The one that I have a question for you about the, is it's a little bit larger. It's not so much device oriented as it is around this idea of telehealth and telemedicine, because it seems like this frontier is also just exploding, uh, and it's really changing the dynamic between patient and physician. The idea that you don't necessarily need to be in your doctor's office to have a visit. Uh, I know pretty much every medical group across the country has already started to adapt this where you can do these sorts of things remotely, send a picture, ask a question. Um, wh- is this going to tip the whole idea of the physician visit in the office? Is it going to just tip that boat over and dump everything out? Great question. Um, and just out of interest, do you, what, do you, what do you think about these new telemedicine tools that let you virtually chat with a patient? I think that you know, I think that it is an untapped well that we're going to find a lot of really powerful things in it. I think that the privacy part is going to be a big concern. Um, that being said, there are a lot of visits to the doctor that you don't necessarily need to be face to face, where you could ask a question remotely, you could ask a question via email, um, and then get your question answered and, and get on with your life. And you don't spend, you know, three hours of a work day trying to, you know, navigate traffic and go to the office. I think that that's, it's wonderful. It's empowering for both patients and physicians. It lets people just be more effective and more efficient. Um, the safeguards have got to be in place though. That's the only, I'm going to be that, I'm going to be that dude that sounds yeah, the alarm for a while. You know, <laughs> that's just going to be me. We're going to have to adopt it because the demand for it is only getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, I think, I think privacy is a big concern. The one that I've been looking into recently, which I think is, you know, maybe a little bit more nuanced, um, is this idea of loyalty, doctor loyalty. Um, so some of these new telemedicine services like doctor on demand or health tap, they, 
advertise their services as like see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Um, and clearly they're trying to tap into a younger, digitally savvy audience. But I think the key is it's not see your doctor, it's see a doctor. And, you know, I think that is definitely a future for telemedicine is, you know, we could go down the path of, of saying who needs a regular primary care doctor that they see, you know, you could just see any doctor. And um, as long as it's convenient, then, you know, we applaud that. But I think we are kind of missing out on something by by going fully in that direction, because we do know that having a, a trusted relationship with a physician that you do see from time to time in person, that there are a lot of health benefits to that. And a lot of studies have shown that, you know, it's, it's a way to reduce costs for the healthcare system and, and also leads to lower morbidity rates over a longer term period if you do have that relationship. So that's another thing that I'm keeping my eye on. And I think that I couldn't have phrased that better. There is always going to be intrinsic and extrinsic value to just being able to sit down with someone in a room and talk about what's going on. Um, that, that, that can't be replaced. Skype can't replace it. Uh, virtual anything cannot replace that. There is a healing energy that happens in that dynamic. Um, and it's, it, it can never be replaced. And, and that's where physicians are always going to have, you know, that they're always, that's, they're going to always be their value added proposition. Of course, we're going to help make decisions around medications and procedures and be the ones that do those things. But more importantly, we're going to be the ones that look you in the eye and give you a firm handshake and provide, you know, solid counsel and, and support to help get people through some of their best times and some of their hardest times. Uh, and there will never, ever be a substitute for that. I don't care what anyone puts on the market. You cannot break that bond. I, I hope not. And, um, you know, my, my sort of vision for the future is one in which people do have a regular relationship with a primary care doctor, but they also use some of these new services, especially for things like you said, where you really don't need to go into the physical doctor's office. Maybe it's just like a very simple medical problem or just a, a niggling worry that you really just need someone to tell you that, that you're fine. Um, so, you know, the, this is this whole idea of, of triaging mm -hmm. at work. Um, but I do hope that it's a combination of the two. I agree. I hope that it's a combination and I hope that all parties sort of work to help make that happen because I think that everyone is going to still want that on both sides of the equation. They're going to, that's, that's, that's part of the fun of medicine. That's where the energy of medicine is. It's connecting with another human being and trying to be of service and trying to help them. Um, there's, there's a lot to that and there's, uh, and the same for the patient side. They're, they're also contributing to that and helping the physician side and helping those people, you know, learn and engage and, be better at their job. So they're, that's, that's how we continue to learn and grow in our profession. And, and I just, I, I'm optimistic that that will never go away, but this seems like a pretty big challenge to it. That's for sure. Yep. But do not worry. You are not going to be replaced by a robot. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. I'll hold you to that. This has been a, a, a wonderful conversation and I really appreciate you coming on, being able to just sort of sit down and put some of these things that are happening so fast it's, it's like a wildfire, um, just trying to keep up with it and get a little bit of context around it. Um, I really appreciate you coming and giving us input. Where do our listeners find you? What, where is the website future of you? How do they get to you there? It's www.kqed.org slash future of you. Or if you just go into Google and you type in KQED and future of you, it'll, it'll pop up. And then your um, Twitter feed, which I know you keep active and, and maintain and curate and put good stuff. Where do they, where do we find you on Twitter? At 
Chrissy Farr, and it's C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-F-A-R-R. And please do tweet at me um, and, and message me because I, I love hearing from people. Um, so, and, and even share story ideas with me if you, if you have them. Absolutely. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on Explore the Space. Uh, you are welcome back anytime. This is going to be a conversation that is just starting. So again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.